Hello, and welcome to the Victorious Living Christian Counseling Podcast. My name is Crystal Ridland, and I am a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Indiana, and I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Missouri. Victorious Living is not only a dream, but a real possibility through Jesus Christ. For today's episode, I've decided to talk about depression. Depression is an ever-increasing problem, and in our culture today, with the pandemic and the tensions that are plaguing our nation right now, the suicide rates, the depression rates, the anxiety rates have skyrocketed. In fact, I have some statistics here that I found, and it says that nationally the suicide rate increased 25.4 percent from 1999 to 2016 with increases occurring in every state so every state has seen it um, there were an estimated 1.4 million suicide attempts and more than 48,000 deaths by suicide in the year 2018 and it is now the 10th leading cause of death by suicide that is really sad, and it's actually even higher amongst teenagers. Um, oftentimes, I see teenagers who their parents have contacted me maybe after they've attempted suicide, um, after the teenagers have um, written down notes that maybe they are planning on taking their life or they have finally admitted that they are having suicidal thoughts. And... The sad part is, oftentimes, it's very common for me to hear that the child has made, the teenager has made comments in the past about suicide, and the parent commonly thinks that it's not a big deal, and they just tell their child they're going to be fine, it's going to be okay, and they don't get them help. Um, this is especially concerning to me because what I know about the brain and what we know about the brain in the field is that the amygdala is the fight or flight freeze spot in the brain. And that is what is God has instilled in us for the purpose of keeping us safe, our survival. But it also sends out all these, I call them sad messengers, these like rush of negative hormones into the body and what happens in teenagers is their amygdala is the first thing that develops and the prefrontal cortex the logical part of the brain behind the forehead is the very last thing that develops and it doesn't fully develop until age 25 so we have the amygdala develops around age 13 fully and the and the prefrontal cortex develops around the age of 25 so what you have with teenagers is when they have emotional issues or when they have emotional struggles or they're feeling overwhelmed with emotion, their amygdala is basically completely hijacked their ability to reason and think through what they're feeling. So this is why we have such a high rate of teenage suicide attempts and teenage suicides because in these moments, they're not really fully able to think through what they're feeling, come up with logical conclusions, and to be able to logically 
tell themselves that even though they're going through a difficult time, even though they're being made fun of at school, that there's hope on the other side. So parents, if you have children who are teenagers who are saying anything about suicide, it is so important that you take it very seriously. Um, I can tell you several times in the last several years that I have known somebody who has known somebody in one of our local schools who has attempted suicide. And this is something that I don't remember. It used to be that if a teenager committed suicide, it was, it's still terrible and it's still shocking. But it's almost losing the shock effect because we don't have, it's, it's more um, commonplace now than it used to be. And I find that very sad. I actually remember being in a training one time and as a counselor, and they told us that we're in either one of two categories as clinicians. We're either in the category of having had a client who has attempted suicide, or we're in the category of having a client who will one day commit suicide and saying that depression is sadly sometimes a fatal disease. And I didn't raise my hand and say this out loud, but in my mind, I quickly thought and prayed to God that I sure hope that I can be a clinician that has a third category. I want to be able to be um, a clinician that can help point people to Jesus so that they can find hope and be able to live victoriously even when they're experiencing difficulty in their life. So that's a little bit about depression. Depression is always what happens before someone actually commits or attempts suicide. And if we can actually get in there and help them early on, it's amazing what we can do as clinicians. So never take for granted when somebody tells you that they're having suicide um, ideation, suicidal ideation or suicidal thoughts. So that's the first thing. So what is depression? Well, depression is actually when you're walking through life and it feels like there's always a dark cloud over your head. You feel sad. You may cry a lot. You feel down in the dumps. You lose your motivation. You withdraw. You want to stay in bed all the time or you just want to watch TV. You're not engaging with people, so you're pulling away. You're a teenager's. Um, common symptoms of having a teenager who's depressed is going to be increased irritability. They're going to withdraw. They're never going to want to be with their parents. They're always going to want to be in their room. They may be hard to wake up. They're not excited about things that they used to be excited about. Um, they're even starting to pull away from their friends. And um, they're just not their normal selves. Like, Sometimes we, I've seen this happen where I've seen teenagers before who have attempted suicide and I've asked the parents, were there any signs before? This was before they came to see me and they, they say, no, she was acting pretty normal. But when I actually get in there and begin assessing for symptoms of suicide in teenagers, what parents oftentimes think as normal um, teenage behavior gets missed um, because it's actually signs of depression. And so it's so important, parents, that you 
are aware of um, your, your child's moods and that you're not dismissing real mental health issues, sim- symptoms, because you think that they're just teenagers. Another common misconception with teenagers is this whole concept, um, and I hear it from my Christian friends, I hear it all every time I turn on the TV, um, that teenagers don't want to be around their parents. That teenagers are, um, they always want to be in their room. They don't want to hang out with their parents. To some degree, this is true. Teenagers want to grow up. They want to develop into their independent selves. But in a healthy family environment where the teenager feels safe, teenagers actually really do want to be around their parents. They want to please their parents. And so oftentimes I'll have parents come to me and they're like, my child is not talking to me. Um, They're feeling depressed. They're not in their room. And one of the things that I have to do is begin addressing the deeper issues of why that child is suddenly not wanting to interact with their parents. And this goes a lot better when I have parents who are teachable, who are willing to recognize that there are some things that they should do and could do differently. And um, this is actually one of my favorite things to do is work with teenagers and their parents. And I've been able to see some really amazing outcomes um, from working with um, parents and helping them. I've had many parents say, thank you, thank you for helping me get my child back. I had thought that I had completely lost her. And that makes me really sad. So um, depression feels like a dark cloud. Like you're just, that is the best way I can describe it. And from when you have men who are depressed, and oftentimes you're going to see their their greatest symptom is not so much the crying spells like it is in women, um, but irritability, anger. And so if you have a spouse who's suddenly more angry than normal or they are snarky or snippy, then that is a good sign that they may be anxious, they may be depressed, um, or there could actually be some issue that they need to talk with somebody with about um, in your relationship. So I was thinking of some scriptures um, that talk about this whole concept of depression. And if you go through Psalms, Psalms is full of pleas and cries from from despair and heartache. And one of those Psalms that I came to was Psalm 55, verse 2, and it says, Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught. And then in the same chapter, 4 through 8, My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. And then if we go to Psalm 31, It says, verse 9, Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. 
My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. So what you see here is that even in the biblical days, we see depression. We see a great need for God in the midst of depression. And I'm going to argue to say, um, or take a risk in saying, that I believe every human who walks this earth is going to go through some level of depression. Except for Jesus, of course. He had some anxiety, which he always took to the cross. Um, but what we will see is everybody who endures life at some point is going to find themselves in a place where they're depressed. They may not even know that they're depressed. But the Bible says in this world we will have trouble, right? It says we will, not we could or we may. It says we will have trouble. And when trouble gets so overwhelming, the body's natural inclination is to grow weary and weak. And what I love about the scriptures is it gives us a connection of others who have gone before us, who has walked through the valley of the shadow of death, who has struggled and it reminds us that God says that he is near those who are weary and brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. That he understands what we're going through. And so um, depression is a sense of being emotionally weighted down. It may be hard to get up in the morning. and It may be hard to, to focus on. A lot of times with teenagers you're going to see that their grades are going to drop. They're not going to do as well in sports or they're going to quit sports. You're going to see that they are not even trying to dress nicely anymore. They may just be, you know, wearing sweatpants um, and they're just, they're just careless. They don't care anymore. Um, those are pretty significant signs. Now, not it's not saying that every teenager who wears sweatpants is depressed because I have a child who loves to wear sweatpants because he's very athletic and that's perfectly normal. That's keeping with his character though. Um, so there's a sense of sadness, hopelessness, and um, oftentimes what I find is a sense of worthlessness, um, excessive guilt, feeling like they're not good enough or they're bad. So one way that I... Um, I try to help clients to understand depression and to get an idea of where they're at is um, we have the DSM-5 right now, which is what I was trained in, and it actually breaks down all of the disorders, and so I can identify if somebody's depressed um, pretty quickly, usually once I get their paperwork in my hand before I see them, I can get an idea if they're struggling with depression or not. But another thing that I do is everybody who comes in, if I feel like they have anxiety primarily, I'm going to do a quick anxiety assessment. And um, it's called the GAD-7, stands for General Anxiety Disorder. And if I feel like the predominant issue is depression, I will do what's called the PHQ-9. That is the patient health questionnaire. And 
So in this, I ask questions like, over the last two weeks, how often have you been bothered by the following problems? Little interest or pleasure in doing things, feeling down, depressed, and hopeless, trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, sleeping too much, feeling tired or having little energy, poor appetite or overeating, feeling bad about yourself or that you are a failure or have let yourself or your family down, trouble concentrating on things such as reading the newspaper or watching television, moving or speaking so slowly that other people could have noticed, or the opposite, being so fidgety or restless that you have been moving around a lot more than usual, thoughts that you would be better off dead or hurting yourself in some way, um, and the answers are not at all several days, more than half the days, and nearly every day. And based off of how these, ans these questions are answered, I add them up. And the higher the number, the more concerning. And my job is to help these numbers to go down. Um, and almost all the time, if, if people are doing the work that um, I tell them to do, like the identifying negative thoughts, writing them down, staying in God's word, um, learning to say nicer things to themselves, being more mindful of their thoughts, then I'm going to see these numbers go down. It's the favorite part of my job. This is one thing that I do that I haven't seen a lot of counselors do, but I do do this because I have found that it is so hopeful for clients where I can bring out these questionnaires when I can observably see that they're smiling more, that they seem to have more energy, they seem to have more life. And I can go and pull these out and do these questions. I had one recently who came in with a general anxiety score of 21, which is the highest score you can have. And I was pretty concerned about this person from the get-go. And after several months of treatment, her, her numbers dropped to number five. And that was awesome. <laughs> I was so excited to see that. That is the healing power of God. Friends, if you're seeing a counselor and you're not getting better, then you need to find another counselor. If I have somebody in my office who is not responding to therapy, their numbers are not dropping, after a period of time, I have to think there's either something that they're not doing or there's something that they need different. Not necessarily that I'm doing anything wrong, but they could just need a different style or they might need a higher level of care. And that is up to the clinician to be aware if their client, that's another reason I do these questionnaires is I want to be able to see that my client's numbers are dropping, that they are actually getting better. That's the reason they're coming to me. Um, and if I don't see their numbers dropping after a period of time, I will have a conversation with them about why they think that is and Eventually, I may have to make the decision to refer them. That doesn't happen often, um, but it does happen sometimes. And I need to be aware of when our, my clients need a higher level of care. So that is just a little bit of information that I have here. Now, what causes depression? Okay. So for teenagers, I know that I'm kind of going back and forth. I'm trying to hit teenagers, women, and men all in the same like little session here. But one thing I have found is for teenagers, 
the one of the most there's two common things that I see often. One is that they're being bullied and oftentimes it's cyberbullying. They're being bullied on the internet more than they're being bullied in person at school and their parents aren't even aware because sadly too many parents let their children have full reign over their phone, no accountability and no filtering. I'm going to get into this on another podcast because this is something that I take very seriously in my home and it's something that I work with many parents on. There should be no privacy on anybody's phone. My husband and I, we have accountability on each other's phones. We always have. We know each other's passcodes. Um, there's no secrets in our home. One thing I tell my, my children is that Um, when they do get a smartphone is that when they get married, I will gladly hand over that responsibility of having accountability to their spouse. But while they're in my home, everybody needs accountability on their phone. And my kids don't argue because they know it's true. (laughs) They they know enough to know that um, we can get in real trouble um, on our phones. I've seen so many things kids being cyberbullied, young teenagers talking to men, grown men and women um, in an inappropriate way on these um, social mediums such as Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. (laughs) Um, So anyway, that's going to be a topic for another day. But oftentimes that's what I see. There's some level of bullying. um, There's some friendship issues. There's problems with parents that they can't work out. So they're either way they're feeling trapped and they're feeling powerless. Okay. Um, And there could be some unmanaged trauma there. There's all those different things. Another cause for depression in general is going to be anxiety. Almost all the time. There's been a few occasions where I've seen that the depression has come more from a biological component, but almost all the time what I see is that when I begin assessing and looking back to what caused the depression, it was unmanaged anxiety. For years, people struggle with anxiety and they didn't know how to what to do with it. And eventually, because anxiety is a high stress, high energy hormone, it turns into some level of depression. And I assess for that immediately. So anytime somebody has depression, I begin to assess for if it was anxiety. The treatment's predominantly the same. You're really doing cognitive behavioral therapy, um, retraining the mind to think more positive things, building awareness of negative thoughts. Um, Okay, so it could also be trauma. If you're living with years of unmanaged trauma, this takes a toll on the mind, body, and soul, okay? So working with a clinician to work on that trauma is going to help you to feel safe and secure and to feel like you have power back over your life. One thing that I have found the best thing for trauma is what is called EMDR, eye movement desensitization processing. I was recently trained in it last year. I've had EMDR done to me as I've disclosed on this podcast that I have, um, I endured years of 
childhood abuse pretty significant and I lived in an alcoholic very abusive home and that has impacted me and so for several years before I became a counselor I did um, EMDR and it was one of the most helpful things I've ever done it's a very great um, it's actually the top of the line um, modality for treating trauma. They've also found that it's really helpful for treating anxiety and pretty much almost all mental health illnesses. There's a few that it does not recommended for, but it's a great one. Depression can be caused by undealt with grief. So if somebody lost somebody, and I've seen this happen, I've seen people who've lost a parent in their early teens and they come to me in their 30s or 40s and they still have never been able to really process their grief. And they got stuck in the grieving process and they're showing depression symptoms. That is a very common one. So if you've lost somebody, you've never truly processed that, you're going to want to process that grief, which is what you should be doing when you go see a um, specialist, a clinician. Um, also, you could have relationship problems. I see this often. Like I said before, with teenagers, they can have disagreements with their parents and they're just not seeing eye to eye. They feel misunderstood. They feel like nobody um, cares about them or their heart or what they're feeling. Oftentimes, this is the case when there is significant conflict in marriages. Um, people feel trapped and they get become very depressed. Also, sin. Sin is a big one. So when people are living in a sinful lifestyle, whether it be premarital sex, it's um, drug addiction, it's having toxic um, behaviors that's interfering with all of their relationships, it could be pornography, whatever the sin is. It's not the way God created us to live in a lifestyle of sin. We sin because we're trying to fulfill a deeper need. And so we're looking for some fulfillment. It's a temporary fulfillment. It's not true. Um, and then it actually continues on a spiral that leads us to sin more and more and more often. The more we get into that spiral, the more hopeless, the more worthless we feel. And the more depression kicks in. Um, okay, so the treatment is first. If you're if you are listening to this, and you are thinking, you know what, I think I have depression. Um, I encourage you to contact a Christian counselor who's trained and licensed, or a very solid biblical counselor. Um, any solid biblical counselor, they don't always, but they should know when depression is at a point that they need more in-depth care than they can give them, okay? Um, so the healing process for this is to change negative thoughts, to, and what I do with clients is immediately begin encouraging them, telling them of God's love for them. I began identifying their personal strengths and trying to build upon those. I um, Really, it's love that heals. And so if somebody comes into my office and they feel judged, they feel unheard, they feel disrespected, 
I'm not going to be able to heal. I'm not going to be able to lead them to healing because the healing comes from Jesus and Jesus doesn't use any of those mediums. He loves people to healing. He loves people to himself. So we're going to begin. I will have them start out with a journal where every day they become more aware of their thoughts. They write out negative, defeating thoughts. And they begin a gratitude journal at the same time where throughout the day they begin intentionally focusing on the positive things around them. There's always something positive. Whether it's that the sky is blue or that we have a roof over our head or that somebody smiled in Walmart that day. Um, whatever it is, there's always something positive. Okay. Um, Another type of depression that I haven't talked about today is postpartum depression. One thing I've found is that there is a percentage, of course, that when a woman has a baby, her hormones are all over the place, okay? It's stressful. It's also full of joy and love and great things, but it's, it's a high level of responsibility, life changes, um, but oftentimes what I found is you're going to find women who have endured some level of stuff before they had the child and they've never really been able to deal with it. And then it comes out because now their ability to cope with things is diminished because their body's rushing with hormones and um, they aren't getting any sleep and they're feeling a high demand on their body, um, whether it's you know, not getting sleep, taking care of an infant around the clock, and not having enough time for themselves. Um, so that's a common thing too. And anyway, so sometimes I have found that regardless of what the depression is, um, what, what brings it on, what type it is, occasionally I need to send somebody for a medication eval to see a doctor and see if that is something they need. That is actually pretty rare. Usually when people begin doing the talk therapy um, and they start to like build and learn and grow and most importantly they're being pulled closer to in their relationship with Jesus, I found that they don't oftentimes need medication. But if somebody comes to me and they're suicidal, it's um, I'm almost always going to refer for some kind of a medical eval just to make sure that their doctor is aware. And, um, and then I will work in conjunction with the doctor as I do the talk therapy. So sometimes that is a pos that's a necessity. Um, sometimes um, it's not. It's just a matter of figuring out exactly how far the depression has gone and getting an idea of what's causing it. Um, okay, so... All of this is happening in the brain. All of these chemical uh, responses to feeling sad, feeling anxious, all happens inside the brain. So the, the brain is creating a huge amount of messengers, sad messengers. And if this has gone on for a period of time, um, the body just gets tired and it begins to um, have a hard time replenishing with the happy messengers that help to make the, the body feel at ease and at peace. 
So this is a little bit about depression today. Of course, this is just an overview. I do hope and pray that it was helpful for you. Um, and as I come to a close here, I'm going to share a few more psalms and um, a verse in Revelation as well that talks about um, kind of the healing process and depression kind of all together. So um, Psalm 27, 13, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. If you're going through a season in your life where you're feeling depressed and you're feeling down, take hope in this verse. I have taken comfort in God's word so many times in my life when I've been either full in depression or even struggling with feeling like I could move into a place of depression. Um, everybody's going to go through difficult times. It's just a part of living in a broken, painful world. Okay, so take heart in that verse. And also, um, 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I just love how these verses are pointing us to the healing power and comfort that we find in Jesus. Another one is going to be Psalm 68, verses 19. And here this says, Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Daily God takes our burdens on himself. When we take them to him in prayer, God wants to take those off of us. He wants to lift those off of us. And lastly, I'm going to go to Revelations, which of course is the last book in the Bible. In chapter 21, verse 4. And here it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So if you're going through a hard time today, I want to encourage you. What tends to happen is we get all caught up in our head, we look down, we get into what, like, kind of this, like, we can't get out of ourself, okay? And I always tell people we need to get out of this mode where we're looking down, or we're looking in and look up. We need to get into God's word. We need to listen to worship music. We need to fellowship with people who are strong Christian believers. Who encourage us in the Lord. And we need to get help. There is no shame in getting help. The only shame is living broken and regretting later that we never got the help that we needed. Okay? Also, I want to encourage you to continue listening to this podcast. Please share it with your friends. Um, if you have any um, positive stories that you have learned from this or anything that I have talked about or any of my guest speakers have talked about, I just ask that you will email me that. And if you would and you would like for me to, I would love 
to use your testimony on my podcast. Um, I won't say your name or any identifying information, but I'll just say I got an email from a reader and they just wanted to share this story with me about how this particular set session that I did or something that I was said led them to the Lord or helped them to realize they needed to get help, whatever it was. Um, those actually encourage me and um, I would love for that opportunity to be able to hear, even if you don't want it shared on the podcast and you just want to share. I've had some friends on Facebook who have messaged me and said, hey, like, this particular session was really helpful for me. Um, thank you for sharing it. That encourages my heart. That's why I'm doing this podcast, so that I can get healing out to those who are struggling on the other side. Okay, so if you guys have any questions or any comments, please feel free to email me at victorious living counseling at yahoo.com. I wish you all the best and I hope you have a great day living victoriously by overcoming depression. God bless. Thank you.